0: Okay, so hi, welcome to Black Manchester. This is the very, very first podcast and I'm absolutely delighted um honoured to be in the presence of this community goddess, Miss Angeli Sweeney. And you might think that I'm overdoing it here, but when you, you're gonna over the next, hour or so you're gonna listen and understand the levels at which um, this woman is dealing with <laughs> and, and what she does for the Manchester black community. And um, yes, inspirational, motivational anything else? Have I missed anything now? <sighs> <laughs>
1: thank you so much.
0: Welcome <laughs> thank you Miss Angela Sweeney, Angel.
1: Angelie, Angel and Ange, just not angle. That's
0: fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That's fine. Thank so you. um d- right, sorry. So um cut. Oh, so <laughs> um brilliant. I'm just going to Read a few things now that I have <laughs> been stalking you. Obviously, no, it's fine. So, no,
1: it's not fine. actually. <laughs> I need to tell you a story about that. But okay, go
0: on. All right, no, okay.
1: It's fine. It's fine. Empowering. <laughs> <laughs> was that a laugh or is it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Empowering and engaging young people to purposely pursue their passion and fullest potential social action and leadership tell me more
1: tell you more that's my that's from a LinkedIn profile uh-huh. Um so I do full-time youth and community work for a organization called uh, groundwork which is a charity uh, I've been there nine years in November and I am what they call the social action and senior youth project lead so it means that I project manage and lead on all the social action work, mm-hmm. all of our community and youth work, all of our coaching and mentoring work. Um, manage a team of staff and volunteers, and yeah, just just, just do it, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, just do it, yeah, yeah. just like yeah. that. And <laughs> <laughs> tell me, um, there's a I mean, there's a story to tell here. I mean, okay. how you how you got here, mm-hmm. and I, I do want to talk about um, your um, what has been your inspirations? What has been your motivations? Basically, who who has helped you get to the place where you are? Where I am, yeah.
1: A lot of people,
0: yeah. Um, so if we go back to when you were a, a child, gosh, so, childhood, uh, and you can choose the age, but um, who who was standing out for you?
1: You know what? Um. My granddad, when I was five, uh, we went to go and live with him for a while, yeah. and we um, went to a new school, Webster, uh, in Mosside, and...
0: How old were you then? About
1: then? five, six. Five or six, yeah. Uh, and I know for a fact that I was struggling with reading and writing at that time, um, and I remember every evening after school, or every afternoon we'd come home, and he'd be there waiting, and he'd have this brown paper envelope, I don't know why, I remember a brown paper envelope, and he used to write out the alphabet, and then write out letters, and he'd make us sit there, and recite it, and recite it, and learn it, and that's how we learned our, our numbers and letters. So,
0: yeah.
1: I suppose that type of a uh, consistency, like, you know, if we got it wrong, no, but it's all right, carry on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he, he was a, yeah. Right. A really cool role model. Then clearly my dad. For yeah. Those people who know my dad. Um, so
0: tell me about your dad. So just quickly give everyone a brief overview. We, um, we've got to get him down here as well. Yeah.
1: My father is a gentleman called Linford Sweeney. Um, he is a community worker of forty odd, nearly fifty. I don't even know forty odd years. Um, so literally since I come, since I you know, um, I've always been around that. I've always been around community work. I've always been around um, my dad always giving back, uh, offering service to the community, getting involved in loads of community and youth work type things, helping to train people, support people. Um, he's a coach as well, so he does a lot of coaching work. He is a genealogist, a mm-hmm. family historian. So I've just seen my dad just giving, 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 really right that's that's essentially what it is yeah okay Yeah, and empower people so he's been a massive massive influence massive influence and then lastly um well not lastly but just like most notably Mm -hmm. probably my gran Uh, she passed in 2018 and she was just a really really gentle when she well she was a gentle soul but when she got mad she cuss, really? but then she'd say, God forgive me She was she was just she was just amazing. Uh and her her work ethic, the way that she loved people, uh, the way that she just embraced everybody, um and that she was always consistent. Mm. You always knew what to expect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it was just love and jokes and sunday dinner do you know all those things there so yeah um yeah
0: and so you would say those three people are sort of like impacted on you
1: definitely at a young age yeah definitely at a young age there were probably more but those are the ones that i can think about right like how you just put pants back but yeah that's that's basically it yeah
0: and, and where did you grow up
1: um so i was born in um saint mary's hospital I was only saying various hospital, and then I lived in Longside, uh, original Longside, not Hardwick, Longside. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Okay,
0: (laughs) original Longside. Yeah,
1: and I lived there till about (coughs) about five or six. And I went to go and live with my uh, grandparents, that was in my side. And then we were there for a bit, and then I came back to my mum's. And then when I was around nine ish, Went to go and live with my dad in good old Wigginshaw. Um, yeah, until I was 16. Right. Um, do you want any more than that? No. <laughs> I can tell you.
0: Yes, um, and we, a question asked before. Who was your first boyfriend? No, I'm joking. I can tell you. No, no, no. We, we, can, save <laughs> we can save him. obvious man. We can save him. I'm joking. <laughs> so, um, at what point, I mean... Yeah, at what point then, mm. in your sort of like, in your formative adolescence, years. yeah, in your yeah. formative years, did, did the black community sort of like, sex resonate for me. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm. You know, one of my first memories was when I was nine or ten, when we, were, we went to live in Withingshaw and uh, my dad had got married to an amazing lady. Um, who's my stepmom? She's another one of my role models, mm-hmm. uh, and we were there. We were like the um, we were like the Hawksmoor family. So there was uh, three boys and three girls, then my dad and and and, and my stepmom and um, second mom, mm-hmm. um, all in this was it two bedroom three tree bedroom house. Um, so it was definitely a cosy fit. I learnt that I had to uh, get on with people. Mm-hmm. I learnt from an early age you know I can't just say I want it and I want it I had to share all those things, I had to think about people uh, and I learned compassion at a very early age because I remember my dad saying that to me when I was a- around 14 he said Angie you're really compassionate you are said, what does that mean but what I wanted to say is when I was around 9 or 10 I remember me and my sister playing outside um, in our foot garden and then we must have gone out onto where there was a green onto the near the road or something and I just remember that we had a ball and we were playing with the ball and then the ball went into somebody's garden and then we went to go and get it and then uh, the dad came out and he was a white guy and the abuse that we got and the names we got called I remember running back in yeah Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I think I was definitely became more aware then Um, in high school I was quite aware of, if you want to call it, the, the, you know, um, the racialized term black. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that there was this this hype around being black, um, and certain people would gravitate towards us because of it, and certain people would come away from us because of it. So I noticed that as well when I got to college. Again, more of the same, but I started to embrace it more and mm-hmm. recognize that there was power in it. But it was only really when I got to university at 1819, so about 97, that, uh, and I went to Preston, um, which was a town at the time, mm-hmm. um, and um, let's suffice to say, I was the only black person, woman right. on my course, uh, on all of my courses. I started off doing product design uh, and then I realized that it was just pure maths and I thought I can't do this so then I moved um, and I decided I wanted to do some type of furniture some type of design sorry so I decided I wanted to do furniture design I thought hmm I'll make furniture will be different and then they were like well if you want to do that you're gonna to have to do your foundation degree in art and design so it's okay I like art and design let me do that and then I went on to furniture so I was there for five years old you all Uh, And during that time, some of the abuse, some of the vitriol, some of the hatred that I got from Prestonians, as I called them at the time, because we called it the Preston, it was a very depressing place, (laughs) but also from some of the tutors, some of the teaching staff at the university, some of the conversations that I had um, and some of the pursuits that I got involved in really started to cement my identity. Yeah. Um, so I was chair of the African Caribbean um, Union so Association Group, I can't remember, society. ACS, Society, mm. there you go, I should have known that. So I um, was president for two years, um, and within that time we did a lot of work around, and I think from there it just really started to um, open up for me. Mm-hmm. I started to do a lot of, um, if you want to call it spiritual, energetic work. So even though I'd grown up in the church with my dad, mm-hmm. by the time I got to uni, I was like, mm. so I explored different religions. I explored Judaism and um, Islam because a lot of my friends at the time were Muslim boys from like Bolton and Berry and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and girls. Um, and then I looked into Shinto. I looked into Buddhism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I started to find my own, if you want to call it path. And then I. I'd already, when I was at school, I tell you that's what sparks, I'm just chatting around. When I was at school. It's all interesting. Yeah. We did an art <laughs> and design coursework yeah. and I based it on um, Egypt and I loved Egypt and it resonated with me. By the time I got to uni now, I realized it's not called Egypt, it's called Kemet. And what's that? What's that? Um, that symbol there? Well, that's an onk. And what does that mean? And, and then it just spiraled from there and yeah. it really started to resonate with that. That part of my, you know, identity, soul expression, if you want
0: to call it, yeah. Okay, it' interesting that you talk about um, or touched on religion just there Mm. because, uh, yes, again, when I was stalking your um, (laughs) social media, your 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 bio for Insta Mm. is walking with faith, living with purpose. Love is all there is, be love. Oh, I love that. But um, just that first line, walking with faith, just yeah. how, how, and, and there's a qu- another question I'm gonna ask you later actually yeah. connected to this, but just how how m- much is sort of like faith a part of your being? Wow. A part of your life? Um,
1: clearly a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when people talk about faith, I think they talk about religious faith, but mm-hmm. well, it's faith in oneself, faith in your family, in your friends, in your community, faith faith in humanity really, right. uh, faith in the universe, faith in what we call God, um, faith in a higher power. Um, I think that's what that means. So okay. yeah, just, just no matter what I do, just walk in with faith. Uh, I think mm I I say it to young people. I say I say you're not a mistake, you're meant to be here, if that makes sense. Every time you walk on this earth, it's for a purpose. Every footfall that you take mm-hmm. is important. So just that faith alone do, do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 I don't know what was on my mind when I wrote that, but I remember I wrote yeah. it a few years back. Right. And it, I just remember and then and I was actually going to change it the other day and I didn't steep in it. Right.
0: Mm. So let me ask you then, so you walk with faith, mm. do you feel... Uh, it's a question actually I was going to ask um, some um, church leaders okay. actually. When you look at Manchester mm. and our community, have we lost faith? Have we, are we walking with faith?
1: Wow. Is it how necessary are you ask to me there <laughs> <laughs> Is it
0: necessary to? Uh
1: it depends what faith you're talking about. If you're talking about religious faith Yeah Yeah. Yes, I'd say. Um if you're talking about faith in ourselves, faith in our community, definitely. Um but this is a sweeping statement, this is generally mm-hmm. because I know there's many people in our community. Um Regardless of hue, creed, gender, race, whatever, who who haven't, mm-hmm. um, but that's just a sweeping statement. So the answer is yes, um, but there are pockets of inspiration. There are, you know, um, but yeah, that's definitely a theological. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it is. That
0: one there. So for throwing an... that.
1: No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay.
0: So. Um... I suppose connected to this. So when you um, when we look at Manchester or um, uh, the black community in Manchester, yeah. what what part of that do you focus on the most? Did you think?
1: What personally or professionally? Or both. 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 Probably more so. I'd say the black youth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That yeah. That's because it's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what resonates with me. And I know that when I was growing up as a black, young person, um, yeah, there were role models out there, externally speaking, um, but it would have been great to see more. Yeah. You know? And that's it. So that, that, I'd say that's definitely the, the part of the community that I do focus on. Um, and, and literally those people who will... Going back to faith or religion, it says in the Bible, those who have ears... Mm. will hear, those who black eyes will see, so those people who want to hear and see, those people who want to get involved, those people from the black community who are ready to put in a bit of work, Um and that's not, not coming from a place on high to say I work the hardest, mm-hmm. but you know, it's about solidarity of purpose and action I think. Um So that's what I focus on.
0: Right. Yeah. If we just take a, a slight step back. Mm. What from your perspective what is the what is the landscape for black and people in manchester what is what is their what is their life like right now
1: what is it how long have we got (laughs) what is their life like right now it is a wonderful awful juxtaposition full stop.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's what, ma- what makes it wonderful? T- tell me about what makes it wonderful.
1: Um, simply being alive at this time, I think is is wondrous for young people and even black people. Mm-hmm. Insofar as all the advancements, whether it be digital, technological, whatever you may call it. Um, the fact that there's... This almost like this reawakening to Black culture, African culture, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be music, sport, hair standards of beauty, dress. The, the list is endless. There's this reawakening. They call it, you know, being woke, but mm-hmm. it is. There's this real reawakening. Like um, I will work with groups of young Black people who the word they use is lit, and they are super lit. It's like mm-hmm. who are you? They're just amazing you know, and nothing stops and nothing must he's like, if I want to do that, I'm doing it. If I want to do that, I'm doing it. So, and, and everything to do with this uniqueness that is just theirs, or that is black, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm just amazed by it every single day. Yeah, I really, really am. Um, black youth are just, yeah
0: the potential the is different phenomenal isn't
1: different it different and yeah. it's not to say that other young people aren't but
0: mm-hmm.
1: not even a but they're just different and they're amazing you know yeah mm-hmm. the awful part is what they have to deal with the barriers the systemic um, racism and the isms but particularly the systemic and uh pandemic mm-hmm. uh racism that we see, uh, the class system, uh, the way in which they're portrayed in the media, uh, the way in which they're treated in schools. I just came from, I went to an event last night um, dismantling the the school to prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. Just that, the way that they're set up when it comes to education, college, university, when it comes to training, all of those things there, when it comes to um, incarceration rates, when it comes to death in police custody, when it comes to things like childbirth, maternity, um, the list Mm -hmm. is endless. So it's awful in that sense. And what's happening at the minute with this whole emphasis on knife crime and gangs and OCGs, organised criminal gangs, um, uh, criminal child exploitation and Mm -hmm. criminal child sexual, sexual exploitation, it's massive. A lot of our young black people are caught up in the middle of that whether it be as perpetrators, as they call it, or victims, I would argue that they're all victims. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the awful part. Yeah.
0: Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you about the, work, the, the, the many mm-hmm. different things that you are involved in, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. you don't just turn up and support and I've got a sp- I've got a particular story that I can share with people afterwards but okay. um, about you okay so um, <laughs> so um, you tell me about so you're not only supporting but you're actually um, you know not Getting just, involved yeah
1: I believe in action going back to the word faith mm-hmm going back to the Bible and I will recite it because I see you know what why not mm-hmm. you know Um. Jesus said, faith without works is dead. That's it. Right. That's it. Um, anything that isn't growing is dead. I always want to be growing, moving, uh, evolving, ascending, getting involved. Um goes back to the whole service thing. Um, seeing what my dad did and how he was always serving. It definitely, you know... Um, yeah, I'm probably growing up in a household with my mum as well, mm-hmm. it was very much about just get that done, get it done, get it done now, get it done, get it done now, um, so it's almost like this responsibility or this obligation um, to, to just try and get things done, yeah. um, I'm not saying that there won't be obstacles, I'm not saying sometimes I don't just feel ugh and I don't feel lazy or, you know, things like that, but ultimately there's this drive to just do, do just level up. There is,
0: there is. Okay, so what things are you involved in? Then can you um, tell I like me? to
1: do we a lot can... of volu- I like to do a lot of volunteering. Yes. Um, I, I think I did that from again. I feel like even though I had some really dark times when I was in Preston, yeah. I had some really illuminating times as well, and it really shaped me as a person. Um, and it was it was then. Uh, that I started to actively volunteer and get involved and really see that I could make a difference and that through my actions that, you know, I could elevate, empower mm-hmm. uh, myself and other people. So I like to volunteer, um, whether it be at events, whether it be for... I've done... Oh, God. The list is... End- I don't know what to say. I don't know where to anywhere where I've got the capacity to go and get yeah. involved and lend a hand You'll do I it. will do it
0: I know you will And um, but tell me about TAP
1: TAP so TAP stands for the African part uh-huh. and TAP is an organisation that myself and a few other people set up on the back of literally just conversations where we all said you know what guys we want to give back we want to do more than talk we want mm-hmm. to do more than moan We want to, you know, get involved and and, and do some action. Um, So, yeah, we had been talking back and forth on a WhatsApp group from around December 2015. Actually, what happened, let me tell you the story now. So, what (laughs) happened is there was this WhatsApp group that was just mainly men. That was just men, sorry. And I got talking to uh, my business partner who was a friend at the time. Oh, yes, I said... Mm -hmm. What's this group about? Because he kept laughing and saying, ha ha, oh, this group, man, it's going <laughs> up. And I was like, what's this group? And he said, oh, it's this men's group I'm involved in. And he started telling me about certain um, combos. It wasn't breaking like, um, confidentiality or anything. So I was like, this sounds all right. I we'll get involved. And at the same time, my other co-director, Luke, he was having the same conversation with his partner. Um, and then she was like, I want to get involved. So they must have had a conversation and then they added us to the group and then more women got added
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we i think there was about 70 members and it, the group was just going off i'd wake up to 300 text uh, whatsapp messages in the morning Um that's part of the reason why i just put my phone on flight on, on yeah. mode at night now because <laughs> i'm just scared but um anyway from there long story short the group whittled down to about 30 members And then from there we said, you know what, we're gonna meet and see what we can put in place because some of the things we've discussed, we can actually do something about this. We can self-fund it and we can do it. We don't need to wait for anybody. So we did that, had a few meetings, and then from those meetings it whittled down to around eight people Mm -hmm. who were really, literally willing to, um, you know.
0: Yeah, put the work in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not to say
1: that the others weren't, but it was just an alignment Mm -hmm. of of the people who we ended up with. So we call ourselves the super eight. I don't know why, but um, yeah. So we incorporated tap in uh, October two thousand and seventeen. Uh, previous to that, we put on a few events. We did some stuff at MMU. Uh, we did stuff around Black Mental Health, Black Love, Sex and Relationships, Black Economics. Um, what else did we do? A few other bits of that, um, mm-hmm. and then we incorporated, and then we started to realise, oh, this is okay what's next? (laughs) We need to get some contracts. We need to really start trying to make an impact. So Otis, who's our business development director um, and also a community organisational lead, he is kind of like the, he kind of like joins up the dots. Mm -hmm. He might go to a meeting or see an opportunity, speak to this person, that person, while we're doing this, how can we align it? He'll find find the synergy in a sense. So in, in, in business terms, he's a big chunker. I'm a little chunker now. People might laugh, but I remember saying it to oh you're a big chunker, that's what it is. And I am a little he was like, we talk about sis. Like but listen to what I'm saying. And um then I'll take that and I'll project manage it mm-hmm. and I'll dissect it and I will complete finish it, I will put specialisms into it, and I'll work out the logistics and the operational way in which it needs to work beginning, middle, end, mm-hmm. and just tie it up in a nice, neat bow, make sure that all of the governance, quality assurance, due diligence, all of those things are done, financial regulations, just to try and make it as tight as it can be. And it's something that we call TAP standards. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> and then, Love yeah, it. we've been, we've yeah. been uh, working ever since. Um, Luke, our other director, he uh, is in charge of community and health. So he set up an amazing group called um, Men uh, um, Manchester Emotional. No, Men's Emotional Men's Emancipation Network. Sorry. Right. Okay. Yes. Men's Emancipation Network. It was formerly uh, the Fatherhood Circle. Right. But listening to because we have a focus group that we work with, so we have a focus group on WhatsApp. Um, who really speak to us, you know, about what our plans are, what we'd like to do. We share information, and then we also have a wider group on uh, Facebook with about a thousand members. Mm-hmm. And then we might put polls in there, or we might have conversations. We share information; they share information back.
0: It's just, just so, so. Just cool. so we know, how do how do people get in touch with? Ta- oh, join in that conversation okay. on tap. How would um, they do that?
1: I mean, you can get us on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you can put in uh, T dot a dot p dot project right. so tap project so our acronym is tap or tap projects our working title is um the African pop project limited right um so you can uh, find us on Facebook you can find us on Instagram you yeah can find us on Twitter you can find us on LinkedIn we're on YouTube we now have a SoundCloud account us. <laughs> um, listen it's a work in progress it's <laughs> yeah. work you yeah. know uh, just to, to, to try and keep it all up and then we've just um, rebranded our website so that's www.tapproject.co.uk mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it's pretty Excellent. cool sometimes I'm like damn mm. so it does blow my mind a bit because we just get on with it Yeah, we just do it and we enjoy it
0: that's brilliant and we need to get you guys as a group so, oh yeah you'd love it. yeah in, yeah, yeah. Um, in front of the camera again and
1: we like a family now it's, it's just amazing so we have like tap socials tap tours so we like go out right. out, out of Manchester and we might go and visit a partner or yeah. go to a particular play or an area or something um, and then we usually have a tap social every year at my house to celebrate yeah. um, another year so to speak it's usually around Kwanzaa um, and we're just very clear on our principles uh, it's about you know Community, education, mm-hmm. business, and health. It's about creating and enabling effective particip- participation networks. It's about um, creating and enabling resilience, well being, empowering people, and just putting the black global majority on the map.
0: Right. So <laughs> tell me about the black global majority.
1: No. Oh. I'm only (laughs) joking. Black global majority is just what it says. Um, Black people are the global majority. That's it. It's about embracing the fact that we are not operating from a deficit. We are not a minority. Um, Part of, from the beginning, um, when we formed TAP, we were always unapologetic about saying we are black first. Not to say that anybody else isn't, um, if we say black first, it doesn't mean anti-white. Mm-hmm. If we say black first, it doesn't mean, you know, um, dual heritage or mixed heritage or, you know, yeah. people. We, we recognize that if we're to do any type of work that is gonna be cohesive as a full community, whether it be local level or even on the global level, that we've got to start embracing our differences and mm-hmm. celebrating them and being unapologetic about those said differences because it's the differences that make us unique but mm-hmm. also unite us. And we can't just have this dichotomy where I'm black and I embrace it so it means I'm anti-white and we've got a problem. Yeah, That can't work.
0: Can, so when people refer to um, black communities as minorities, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think psychologically that's doing something? Yeah, it's doing to, a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think psychologically it, 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 has, it creates a deficit model in the body. It mm-hmm. creates a deficit mindset, and then you have a fixed mindset. Um, I understand mm-hmm. the rhetoric mm-hmm. insofar as we live in yeah you know Britain. yeah and our communities are minorities. but if we're trying to grow and become whole, mm-hmm. and look at this thing holistically then no, we're
0: not a minority. Yeah. I, I, I know this for a fact and that's why I asked you that question though but um, I did a um, a diversity work pack mm. and um, looking at um, issues of equality and diversity basically and one of the things that we did, um, it was such a simple thing, was just find out how many people, how many certain types of people live on the planet. Yep. And um, every time we ask how many white people there are on the planet, mm. all the—I mean—we take this into schools and everything. Mm. They massively over um, sort of like guess what the um, okay. the, number the number is. There. It's just incredible, and they f- <laughs> the young people find it really, inc- you know, sort of like incredible that there's only about 11% of the the world's population is white. It's just um, yeah, it's not. It's just an interesting, interesting, interesting metric. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
1: Um, I mean, like I say, we've all got to live it, haven't we?
0: Yes,
1: we've all got to live it. You know, and I refuse, and I, I, you know, I'd be so bold to speak for the rest of the tap members. I refuse to be pigeonholed um, or to be identified as something that is less than right, because we're clearly not. Um, and I'm talking about myself individually. I'm talking about us here in the room. I'm talking about tap. I'm talking about no. Mm-hmm. We, we have to start reclaiming it and saying, "You're not doing that to us no more." You know, rather than being a pe- because tap is about it's about um, reducing social uh, exclusion, right, and social isolation, and part of being part of feeling. Right isolated and being excluded is to be othered right. so if you put in a box of being other or being a minority or being underserved or disadvantaged mm-hmm. or underprivileged or all of those words there, working class, underclass you could go on forever if, mm-hmm. if, if you keep getting put into those boxes and, 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 and people deal with you like that on a, on a personal, cultural or structural level what, like you say, does it do for your psyche?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what does it do for your health? What does it do for your money? What does it do for your family? How does it help to elevate and empower and uplift you to say, right, boom, I'm going to self-actualise because I feel like I'm somebody. If everywhere you turn on the you know, media, radio, films, uh, celebrities, politicians are saying that you are this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how are we ever going to ascend?
0: I could talk with yeah. you, seriously, <laughs> for much longer than we're, <laughs> we're allowed yeah. to. But um, uh, that's can that's I feel? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Can I move you on and just talk yes. about.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm that stack, was it? I'm joking.
0: <laughs> and talk about the Mosside and Hume um, Community Forum. Com- yes, thank you. Ooh Yeah, so well. it's not just little things you're involved in. As well. Hey, you know what? This is amazing. Listen.
1: Mossad and Hume Community Forum Voice, now it's called. Right. So, from some of the work that we were doing with um, a community consultant called Steve Conway, Mm -hmm. amazing guy who's helped us with our business plan, with our constitution, setting up, you know, he's just been really, really cool. Uh, Some of the work we did with him, um, and some of the work that we did with an organisation from London called Ubele, and another organisation, I think they were called Power to Change. Um, But we had some residual monies from a national project that they did um, that was undertaken a couple of years ago, it was like a research project to to map all of the cultural centres, locations, physical locations that were left... left Mm -hmm. in the UK for African diasporic communities, particularly Caribbean. Um, as part of that research there was a kind of like a localized research piece Um it was called Project Mali I remember my dad was involved in it and there was a guy called um, uh, Dr. Ornette Clennon he was heading up the oh, um, yeah, race and ethnic him. research yeah, yeah. Uh, cluster over at MMU he was involved in that research as well on the back of that we tap were given some funding to put together um, a series of events that would speak to some of the salient kind of like pri- priority points that came out of that. Um, so I just put my hat on. I love stuff like that. I was like, mm, started writing workshops. So we came up with these really cool events called Sunday Solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our first ones was around neighborhood planning, mapping physical assets. Then from that, there was a lot of conversations about, you know, what do we have left? How do we reclaim, retain, empower ourselves? What are those physical places and locations that we can say are ours? Then, from there, there were conversations and some guidance and scare from Steve and a few other people around how we could really start to emancipate ourselves and skill ourselves up and mm. you know um so we had a meeting uh pulled together a constitution, Colette Williams was pivotal, pulled together a constitution had twenty one members sign it constituted ourselves and called ourselves Mossad and Human Community Forum uh, or Community Group um, since then I must admit we have struggled with meetings because of capacity mm-hmm. but we have had a few meetings, have had some great conversations, have managed to align ourselves with people like Marcia Hutchinson who represents the Labour Party to get some of our younger people involved in politics Right. so they can start politicising themselves and really start having a valid um, input Mm -hmm. on the political, like, local scene, regional scene. Um, We have aligned ourselves and seen synergy with other local groups like Hume Community Forum, Mm -hmm. um, those notably, um, just to ensure that we don't duplicate work. And and just to try and... We're still shaping what it will look like because it has to be community-led. Right. You know?
0: I was going to say, so what's the... What is the motivation then? Is it just the fact that (laughs) our side is changing?
1: There was that. That was the main motivation and and essentially we were going to put in a neighbourhood plan. So we would then be the group who could almost, like, if there was any developers who were going to come in and start building um, flats, we could say stop we want to our wild because we'd be a constituted group but in order to do that it's an 18 month process where you have to go through uh, the localism Act like 2011 mm-hmm. you have to go through like a 100 page, page locality type of bump program you have to apply to the council you have to do loads of research every dot every I needs to be dotted and every T yeah. needs to be crossed
0: so what's the concern then why would you want to be a part of that process
1: why wouldn't or why would why would you well um from what we were discussing with the community at the time that was the main concern. Yeah. It was around what was happening in and around Hume on our side gentrification really. And that was the driving force. Right. So it was like in order to at least um find out exactly what's going on and maybe potentially put a stop to this gentrification that's literally just decimating our community. Mm-hmm. We need to be politically aligned and understand the process and have a political voice or at least some type of weight. Yeah. Um, so that's that, That's where the idea came from. Yeah.
0: And this isn't a black issue, is it? No. It's, it's, no, a it's a not. community no, issue. No, it's
1: not. We understand that those who are negatively impacted are mm-hmm. black. Yeah. Usually black first, aren't they? Um, but what it's what it's started to turn into, and what we're realising is that we can be a voice, as opposed to a vehicle. Right. If that makes yes. sense. Yes. Yeah. So we've had a lot of conversations. Um, we had great conversations, uh, forgive the pun, with some of our partners from Great, um, and other people around what our um, what our focus would be. Mm-hmm. so we looked at things like internal and external scrutiny we looked at community goven- governance and accountability um and looking at ways in which we can streamline our wants with what's already out there but ensuring that it's bgm but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. it, it is it's it's not easy and we're still working it out if that makes sense i'll be really real um so that's something that's Bigger than I believe we anticipated it to be, yeah, but it's necessary, so we have to keep doing the work, and we have to align ourselves with people who can help us to do that work, because at the minute, you know
0: what what yeah
1: yeah that's 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 essentially it. I have to be real i I, I can't sugarcoat it or say, "Well, we're doing this, and I can that's that's where we are, That's where we are with that.
0: Right So before I said I've got a story to tell, okay. and it, it kind of moves into the the next aspect the next facet mm-hmm. of Angel Sweeney. Mm-hmm. So um, I last year, April, mm. it was um, I know it was it, this, it, I was organizing a Stephen Lawrence Day oh, event. Yeah. And um, I'd approached loads of different youth organizations. I know oh, it was really it was a really hard ask because it was taking place on um a bank holiday um during the Easter break and um <laughs> so I wasn't expecting loads of people there, mm-hmm. and I remember getting a message from you the morning mm-hmm. saying, "Hi, what time is it? Can I come? Do you want mm-hmm. help and I was going. I was really touched first of all sure. and um, I was going no you don't really it's, it, it's not a problem I don't think many well I don't think I said many, not many people coming up. um you didn't get the message anyway and you yeah. turned up anyway yeah. and um, one of the best parts of that day that event mm. was, was you um, reading out a poem and oh, yeah. it was, I mean, the whole event, I, I don't know why, but it was really emotional for me. I know it was mm-hmm. 25 years since um, Stephen mm-hmm. Lawrence had mm-hmm. died, and um, and my son was there, and it was sort of like just, mm-hmm. um, and my nephew was there, and, yeah. and it was oh, yeah. just really, it was a really hard day for me. I'd, I couldn't really put my finger on it at the time, but um, you then read a poem, mm-hmm. and I was filming it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or at least I thought I was filming it. <laughs> <laughs> And all I did was have my have my phone and I re- watched your performance and I was really moved mm. and I didn't press record. I am so, so annoyed about that. But that was... That was um... I'm
1: trying to remember what, what... So was that the poem that you were speaking about? Yeah. The Black Quarter
0: poem? I don't know what, um, what it was called. But um, oh. I asked you earlier today. Would you mind? Yeah, but um, well, I, I don't think that. it
1: was Black Quarter. I think it. I don't know. Right. Was anybody else there recording it?
0: No, unfortunately, it was I'm just sure. me.
1: Sure. Are you sure? Oh, I, I'm gonna look now. Right. Okay. So what date so, is it on?
0: Um, oh God, I can't remember. Mm. Let, let, let's. It see. was April. I know that much. Twenty-first, yeah. maybe.
1: April the twenty-first. Let's see.
0: Yeah. I was gonna sort of like say that, and this sort of like it moves on as well to um the creative side of you <laughs> because you, you not only are a community worker and a community activist, you're also a singer and a poet. Yeah. Anything else? More a Oh, poet a furniture a furniture maker? <laughs> Do you remember, I didn't know that. I didn't know, yeah, know that about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah. yeah. And um
1: I've always loved art and design, and I just I, I definitely think for the, for the for the formative years of my life, and up until around the age of thirty-five-ish, mm, mm-hmm. um, I'd be I was I was big on creating. Um, I've always done my own freelance work. Right. Really? So when I was in uni, even be, actually before I went, like when I used to live in Longside or L Town, as we called it, <laughs> But um I remember I used to gunshot jeans, for those people who know gunshot oh, jeans. Right, okay. So I used to gunshot jeans for people and charge £10 and like people would come and knock on my door and my mum would be like what you are and, and hand me the jeans and I'd yeah. be like right back in a week gunshot them, give them back and I'd make money that way. I used to draw pictures, I used to do like these um, self portraits yeah. on canvas or on, on paper make money that way so it's um, always
0: been there then it's always been yeah. there
1: when I was 14 I remember I made my first waistcoat and I hand stitched it and I rocked that waistcoat and loved it and <laughs> people cussed me and I don't care I made this so by the time I got to college and uni it was those things there that got me through and then hair right I, used to, I started doing my own hair when I was younger and um, so by the time I was 14 I did that whole rebellious thing mm-hmm. so I was like dad don't want to live here no more. Going to my mum's, and he was like, "If you're bad," and I was like, "Okay," but but anyway, I went, and um shaved off the back of my hair. That's what it was, because my dad wouldn't let me pierce my nose. Ah, uh, right, what it was. okay. Yeah, and and yeah. I, I said I want to pierce my nose in my ears, and he was like, "Are you are you for real?" Um, and yeah, I just thought I was too too nuff. right so I ended up saying, "Mum, I'm going," you know. And then I went and then I shaved off the back of my hair, relaxed my hair, um, pierced my own nose, pierced my own ears. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, I did it all. Lord. Did it all, started making my own clothes, and this became a bit of I don't know what I was. And that's when I started writing poetry. Right. Um, I definitely went through a phase. Some people now, uh, as a practitioner now, mm-hmm. if I was looking back at my phase, I would say, ooh, that girl might be depressed oh that girl might do do you yeah, yeah, yeah. so i went through that phase and what got me through that was um being creative and starting and reading more and starting to write poetry and yeah yeah that's it
0: sorry i didn't i, I didn't mean to just jump in there but um i know that you've um i've not read it yet but um shirley may's book yes give me a little Give her me a book. little uh,
1: yeah, her book is amazing, yeah, her book is amazing, right, so okay, so what is it that you're asking have I read it, have I got it yeah,
0: um, I know you've read it, and I know you've got it because i have see you mentioned mention it a few times yeah, yeah, yeah. on social media, yeah. but tell me how good is it
1: <laughs> how, <laughs> how good is it? her bu- yeah, yeah, listen, um Shirley, I don't think she realizes who she is, really, yeah, uh-huh. I, I, tell me more. I call her my um, my um, poet godmother. That's what I call Shirley, my my poet godmother, Empress, um, and she's she's charged me with writing my own poet poetry book. And I'm like, okay, all right. And every time I see her, she's like, no I joke. I'm <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so I literally have started putting together my poems because I'm going to do it, right? Um, <clears throat> and what else? um yeah, and yeah, I've always been creative like that. Um, it got me. It, it it when I when I got back from uni, I was selling a lot of my stuff. I was doing hair. I was making clothes. Um, what else was I doing? And then I, I I tried my hand at furniture. So I took on mm-hmm. a few commissions. Yeah. But it just wasn't really. You know what it was. I got back in two thousand and two, and I had this portfolio. And then I started writing letters off to like I don't know IKEA and Heels at the time and all of these furniture shops mm-hmm. and I was sending my, my 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 work and I was doing everything that I was meant to do.
0: So, just in terms of your poetry, I mm. want you to consider these words now. Okay. Words are magic. Mm-hmm. Poets are magicians.
1: Ooh. Is that
0: your poetry? What would you know? <laughs> I, I, maybe I should say yes, yes, actually, yes, yes it mine. is. It's mine. <laughs> Uh, what, what do you po- think? What do you poets think is that?
1: What do I think? I think that it means that magicians will pull things out of the ether and come up with something, mm-hmm. and that's what poets do.
0: But but it, it also what's the word? It touches you. It, it isn't. It, it moves you. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's the that's you, the thing.
1: Uh, magicians, well, there's like your David Copperfield magicians, <laughs> and then there's magicians, yeah, uh, like al- alchemists, alchemy magicians. Mm. I think, um, I think the illusion, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, can move you, can emote, you know, create emotions. I think when you say words are magic inherently, they already carry a weight of. Of, I can't even think of the word. Do but do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Words already carry a a energy. Yes, that's there the you go. Yeah, energy. I wanted to say add add more to that. So, if you're working with energy, mm-hmm. anything, anything that you create and give out is going to be energetic, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, I like that one.
0: Um, we're here in Coffee Nubia mm-hmm. I asked you to well, I said, um, look, I'd really love to interview you, mm-hmm. and uh, this is all by text. I wish it was, um, I could say that it was, you know, on the phone, but no, it was nice it. But it's all by text. And I said, I'd really love to interview you for the first um, Black Manchester podcast, mm-hmm. um, and you asked me where where did it want it to be and I said choose your favourite place yeah. in Manchester
1: I was like um. <laughs> so are you asking me to choose my favourite place
0: um, I thought this was your favourite place
1: in terms of my favourite place in terms of where to chill out yeah, and yeah stuff. it would definitely be my house but after that yeah yeah, yeah, oh, right. yeah. coffee <laughs> new, always been like I've got good memories here yeah junior behind us is is amazing. Always support. Thank shows. you to thank you to Junior. Thank you to for closing Seriously. the shop and letting
0: us record here. That's what it's amazing about. guy.
1: And we always say every time we come in here we put on events. Like we put on one of our first tap events in here. All right. Sorted. You know. Okay. Always not a problem. Um, and we've said that this place needs to be like twice the size it is, four times the size it is. You know, it would be amazing. Yeah. Um. Yes. But yeah. It's a really really cool venue. Okay. So yeah. Thank
0: you, Nubia. Okay. And um, so I just want to... I asked a few people mm. their thoughts <laughs> about and Angelou's You absolutely flawed, flawed me with this. Go on. And um, so some of the things which were said is that you're a consummate professional. Ooh, ooh. You never put yourself first. You put the community first. Mm-hmm. You put, um, you're there to support. You never stand... Not for you, but for the community and that's um all it's quite interesting actually mm. because all the things that and you, you might not realize it but people are watching you
1: oh yeah
0: they're watching you and they're making judgments and then so all the things that people um are saying are things that for myself this is this mm. is really interesting so they said that you're a great poet mm. unapologetically black that's another thing. good
1: and I'm glad it comes <laughs> through. <laughs> you know, I so, I real that's that is really good to hear. Yeah. Just on a personal level as well. Right. Um as an aside, and not to just take that away from what you're saying and the lovely oration that you're about to bestow mm-hmm. is is that to be black sometimes is um a many yoked way if that makes sense. Uh, not only is it about the perception that this country has about you that the world has about you that your family, your friends, your community may have about you but it's also the people who your skin folk, that perception they have about you Mm -hmm. Um, so because I may um, speak in a certain way, use certain words you know, as I call it Mm speaky-spokey, I I learnt at uni it's called elaborate Code it's like, oh well are you really black enough then? because you act white or you talk white, right. or you, you know, or the way you're trying to do that is, is that's a white way. So to hear that is amazing. Oh yeah,
0: people see and me as black. More. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's for real. That's yeah. that's cool. Thank um, you. That you're a strong black woman, strong okay. black person. Cool. And um, oh, what else? What else is there? There was um, a really, I, I think I read it. At, read it to you before this is um a woman said that you were um every time she meets you <laughs> she uncovers a, a new facet yeah, yeah, yeah. a different facet of Anjali and yeah. it's it's so true as well the, yeah you got a lot going on
1: every you time meet lo- me. <laughs> it's yeah.
0: different looking. Oh, I meet me can I can I thank you, you thank you from can. the bottom of my heart um for um agreeing to do this podcast to talking about yourself talking about the um I don't think we've gone in deep enough actually no. we need a part 2 and part a part 3 books. yeah not a and, problem and um but thank you so much um i want to play hmm. for you
1: uh,
0: some of the stuff so do i have to guess have who it is no 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 i'll play it because you'll hear you'll hear them you'll hear who it is
1: and then I'm gonna call him if I know him and be like, oh my god, a piece of chocolate <laughs> so.
0: Okay, here we go. This is um I'm a bit worried about the
1: How loud it's gonna be. Yeah.
0: Okay, just your impressions of Angela swimming. Which is a very you thought very deep think of. Um, articulates
1: herself very well, really good poet. Um, and just generally a really great, really nice woman. And I love the fact she's unapologetically black. That's
0: Gabriel, yes, <laughs> he's a cool dude, him. and he's an amazing poet. Yeah, oh, he is, yeah,
1: so that's good. Okay, Anjali Sweeney
0: Sweeney's a dedicated professional. Works hard for the community. Works hard for young people <laughs> in the community. I like it. The work she does is really, really important. Mm-hmm. She does it professionally, with no fuss, and it's never about her, it's always about the community. Pleasure working with her. Can't speak highly enough of Angeline. She's an amazing professional youth worker, dedicated community development practitioner, and always, always, always has the interest of the community at heart. Strong black woman, strong black person, and exactly what the community in Manchester needs.
1: She's been a pleasure to work with, and I'm really looking forward to working with her again over the
0: next few years.
1: Is that Steve as well? Yep. Oh, yep. he's such a massive supporter of us. Yeah. And of me, sometimes I'm like, oh, and he's like, no, get it done, get out <laughs> there, you can do it, you're powerful. And I'm like, mm. so yeah. And that's.
0: Mm. Who who was that?
1: That's Steve Conway.
0: Steve Conway.
1: That's that's um you know he's he's been instrumental. Yeah. In helping us set up tap and 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 continuing the good work that we do. He's he's a person who doesn't take enough.
0: Um, right.
1: He's super humble as yeah, well. Yeah yeah yeah. Ah, okay. It's like uh, this is your last great isn't people it? though, isn't
0: it? Mm. Okay. <laughs> Angelie is as her name describes she is an angel she's an earth angel and um, very guided very grounded beautiful soul so giving and i've just got a lot of time and love and energy for Angela because she's such an amazing person very gifted very creative very knowledgeable she's very well-rounded and um yeah, I've got lots, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and heaps of love
1: for Angel. Look at that, Angel. Yay! Alex. Yes. Yep, that's my sis. Yeah. Alex is another one. Huge. She, what she says about me, I say about her. Right. You know? Yeah. This is really cool. Like, everybody should have this. This is really uh, good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm not sure if I could find enough people. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, I don't think that at it's, all. Pos- it's possible, yeah. Yeah, Alex. And um, I saved this one for last. Is it my dad? This, this movement. OK, so where do I start with my sister Angel?
1: Oh, I can't stand I
0: you! Angel <laughs> is Manchester's most underrated, unsung hero <laughs> in regards to the work she does behind the scenes and she doesn't blow her own trumpet seen her literally change young people's lives mm. and I've witnessed close hand the impact that she's had on their lives um, <clears throat> my own personal relationship mm. with Angel started with her being my manager in 2004 and we've gone from work colleagues mm. to friends to family and
1: yeah I just want to say that Love you, angel.
0: Love you angel. Keep doing man. what you're doing, keep shining. <laughs> and the world is your oyster. Oh and stand in your power.
1: Yeah. Oh. Top guys are out. Yeah. Swear down, he really is. He's he's another unsung hero. I just feel like the group of people that I'm I'm doing this work with is really like um I can't even think of the word. Um like spiritually
0: yeah
1: like um ordained if that makes sense it feels it feels spiritual the connection um, is there yeah. yeah but that's 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 when we talk about walking in faith um a lot of the stuff i'm i'm, I'm I, I can't even get the words out but yeah that was beautiful i don't even know what else to say i just leave it there but um when you're doing god's work that's what it is